Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Will in the studio today. Now, don't you forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app and, of course, your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. You can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Now, have you ever heard of the legend of the Witch of Yazoo? I haven't heard of it until today. It became famous in the Willie Morris book, Good Old Boys, published back in 1971. And joining us here on Good Things to share a little bit more about her and how you can, I guess, not get a sneak peek of her. We wouldn't want to do that. Is Don Davis, communications coordinator for Yazoo County CBB. Hey, Don. Hey, how are y'all? I don't think you get to see her, right? Like she doesn't come out at night, does she? I hope you don't get to see her. I've never seen her. <laughs> we're yeah. gonna let's we're, hope she doesn't come out at night. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But you guys at least carry on the folklore around the Witch of Yazoo, specifically right. this time of year. It's our spooky season. So give us a little background. What is the story behind the Witch of Yazoo? Well, of course, as you said, um, it's a local legend, just a fun kind of kind of scary story that's been around for a long time and, of course, was made famous by Willie Morris in his book, Good Old Boy. Um, Willie Morris, of course, you know, was one of the first people in the state to get a um, Mississippi Writer's Trail marker, which we have in Yazoo. He grew up in Yazoo, and he wrote books about growing up in Yazoo City. So, um, But as legend has it, you know, the the witch of Yazoo, as everyone lovingly, I guess you could say, called her, um, because nobody really knew her name, that she lived on the banks of the Yazoo River and was ru- rumored to lure fishermen in off of the river and do torturous, evil things to them. So she was and friendly. As, yeah. So as the legend goes, that um, one day someone looked in her window and saw her torturing some fishermen and run and got the sheriff. The sheriff brought his men out. They chased her through the swamp and caught up with her as she was drowning in quicksand where she shook her fist to the sky and swore that she would return to seek revenge on Yazoo City. Um, And the legend says 20 years or 25 years. We don't have an exact date because that's kind of how legends go. But (laughs) Um, So the legend has it that the townspeople retrieved her body from the quicksand and buried her in what at the time was the center of the town cemetery, that's Glenwood Cemetery in Yazoo City. And they surrounded her grave with chains in order to keep her in. So 20 or 25 years later, um, May the 25th, 1904. That's a big date for Yazoo Yazoo, City. I'm sorry? I said that's a big day for Yazoo City. It is, yeah, it was. It was a big day, not just for Yazoo City. Um, 
you know, this is something that made headlines as far away as New York City at the time, because at the time it was a huge, um, some would say natural disaster, some would say revenge of the witch. Uh, but on May the 25th, 1904, 1904, Yazoo City caught fire, and a vast majority of Yazoo City's businesses and several residences, 324 buildings in total burned down that day. Um, and, of course, as legend has it, the townspeople went to the cemetery the next day with the wind and the rain pouring down out of the hills and found that the chains around her grave had been broken. So this is what led many to, bl- to blame the witch for the fire. You know that, of course, with her swear to revenge, um, avenge her death, you know, with a fire in Yazoo City. So, and you know, her grave is still there. We we like to say that uh, the witches are, I'm using air quotes here, biggest seller. <laughs> um, throughout the year, her, her page on our website is certainly, you know, the most popular, you know, outside of big annual events like the Yazoo County Fair, you know, the witch is it, so... The witch is it. I feel like that could be a, a hashtag or a bumper sticker as well, Dawn. Right, the witch is it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny you say that because there's, there's actually a new event this year called Witch Way to Yazoo, W-I-T-C-H. And that's going to be a lot of fun, October 29th. So, And it kind of centers around the legend. We're, we'll have a witch parade on Main Street and dressing up in costumes and riding our bikes and brooms and whatnot. So. <laughs> so can you see the witch's grave all year if you come to visit Yazoo and you go to yes. the now Glenwood Cemetery? I guess it probably got renamed after the last hundred or so years. Um, the yes. Glenwood Cemetery. So is it a, an attraction all year long? It is open all year round. The cemetery belongs to the city of Yazoo. It is the the city's like public cemetery. So the cemetery is open. Um, the the signage says from dawn till dusk. Um, so <laughs> um, it is open, and lots of people come and take like self guided tours. Available on our website, you can take a self guided like my dog Skip slash good old boy tour that follows along with a lot of the places and people that Willie Morris wrote about, including the cemetery and the Witch of Yazoo. Um, and a lot of people come just to visit the grave on their own and. You know, you can contact our office at visityazoo.org um, or through Visit Yazoo on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and we can help you set up a guided tour, which we do have groups, you know, throughout the year that that come and take that tour with uh, who is nicknamed the, the world-famous Charlie Carlisle, is a retar- retired uh, history teacher in Yazoo County, and is able to tell kind of the history of Yazoo through the graves at Glenwood, including the story of the Witch of Yazoo. Are there other kind of mysterious stories? I know like other cemeteries across the state, particularly Natchez comes to mind during this time of year. There are a multitude of creepy stories that lie buried uh, within their yeah. cemetery. Is the witch, kind of, I know she's the star, she gets you there, right? And she deserves so we don't want to disturb her and her stories. But are there others within the cemetery that would have just as, maybe not as evil, but just as interesting of lives? I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily scary stories, but there are some really, really interesting stories that Charlie talks about in his tour of Glenwood Cemetery that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, ooh and ah and wow over (laughs) when they're on the tour. So 
it's definitely an interesting story, even outside of the the Witch of Yazoo. Glenwood Cemetery has a lot of a lot of stories that. After all these years, we're like 100 plus now, 120 years. Is there still no reconciliation on what started the fire of 1904, or is it still kind of like leaning to where the fire started? We know that the fire started at the home of the Wise family, who had a daughter who was preparing to be married that day. There are a couple of different theories as to how it started. I think the most popular accepted theory was about. Someone playing with a, a young boy playing with matches under the step under the stairs, but um, the the part you know, even though we know how it started, we know the witch didn't start the fire. It's the actual like real life accounts from people who were there that day that kind of lend a supernatural aspect to it. When you've got eyewitness accounts of the flames that leapt through the air and set things on fire three blocks away that were driven by these fierce winds, which, you know, there was no, there were no reports of there being high winds in the area that day. So, and this is the part where I always get chill bumps because that's just creepy. That is creepy. <laughs> and it just lends to, I think, uh, to some of the culture and the beauty of just, you know, folklore and just woven right. into all the interesting uh, cities across Mississippi. You mentioned the event on the 29th there in Yazoo City. Do you all have anything, yeah. el- or anything else coming up that you want to share or how we can stay in touch? Well, of course, see that right now the Yazoo County Fair is going on, and that includes um, an event that's, that's new for the Yazoo County Fair called the Butterfly Encounter. So your admission to the Yazoo County Fair, not only does it, as always, include all of your rides and free parking in designated areas, but this year it also includes, um, there are certain hours for a petting zoo, and also the butterfly encounter where you can walk through the tent and feed butterflies. Best seen during the daytime hours before the butterflies go to sleep, of course. What do butterflies Um, eat? I know, like, oh, you know, God, the goats yeah. and the llamas and the, you know, the cows, they eat carrots, overpriced carrots at the Mississippi State Fair. But what do butterflies eat? Butterflies, I, I, it's some kind of nectar, I think, that they're fed. Um, you basically are able to get, like, a little, almost like a little paintbrush or sponge brush that's full of nectar, and the butterflies will land on it and eat it, which is just, I mean, to walk through a tunnel full of butterflies, that's... That's just that cool. balances out going to a cemetery to see a witch's grave. You know, you've yeah. got the beautiful life yeah, of the butterfly. for everybody. If you want the scary <laughs> stuff, we've got that. But if you want to walk with butterflies, we've got that too. <laughs> all right, Dawn, where do we go? Where's the website to find out where all the good things in Yazoo is going on? All, yeah, absolutely. Come see us at visityazoo.org. That's V-I-S-I-T-Y-A-Z-O-O dot O-R-G. All righty, you guys stick with us. i got some good headlines for you coming up next. afternoon just a little brighter it's good things with rebecca turner on super talk mississippi you 
You can watch good things on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. In middays with Jar Gibbert, he's going to be live at Tupelo Furniture Market tomorrow to kick off the 20th anniversary of Celebration Village. Celebration Village is a huge event with Christmas and home decor, food vendors, pottery, jewelry, every gift you can imagine all under one roof. And Celebration Village benefits Sanctuary Hospice. Sanctuary Hospice, who cares for everyone who can be admitted, regardless of the ability to pay. And don't forget, to you can catch Tim's great story that we shared here on Good Things yesterday over on Super Talk's Facebook page. I saw that you uploaded that wonderful video. Another celebration I saw, too, over online. This, I know Tupelo is your hometown, Will. It's happy 77th birthday to Johnny's Drive-In. Familiar mm-hmm. with Johnny's Drive-In there in Tupelo? You can go in and grab a famous uh, dough burger, sit where Elvis sat, and enjoy the oldest restaurant in Tupelo, which turned 77 today, which I think yep. is pretty, pretty cool. Thinking of Elvis makes you think of music, and if you want a good headline, you can head over to supertalk.fm. You'll see that Jerry Lee Lewis was finally inducted into Country Music Hall of Fame. You know, Mississippi music legend Jerry Lee Lewis, and he finally made it into where we all knew he should have been all this time. And hopefully, I'm going to get the country music markers that we have the trail throughout here in Mississippi on good things soon to be able to share more about what it means for him to finally have this induction, sort of get that moment. And yeah, I think it's a long time, a long time coming. More good music headlines, though, around Mississippi. You may have seen this one, too, but in case you didn't, Billboard's 2022 Top Music Business Schools was revealed, and guess who made the list? Delta Music Institute? Yes. No, it would have been so. No, I couldn't think of anybody else <laughs> who would have done that. I think that's cool. I think that also goes to show that even if you don't have, like, you're not a singer or you're not, you know, uh, play an instrument or not in a band, there's still a lot of different sectors of the music industry or the business that if you're interested in that or your kids are interested in that man there's still opportunities to make kind of a career out of it and i think there's so much we don't know about those particular industries and specifically we don't know how we can get educated in them here in mississippi it also brings up i think the film industry which i know heinz community college has a great uh, i don't know if it's a degree or if it's just a learning track uh, there for all the different aspects of filming, whether it's directing or acting or lights or the music or whatever it may be. And a lot of young people going into their professions who are interested in those things, they don't recognize that you can make a career without being in front of the camera or you know being the main sort of talent or squeeze or whatever it may be. And I've been keeping up with The Voice in this year's, or this year's, this um, this particular season. I think it's number... 24, I think 22, 24, doesn't matter. But our our Peyton Aldridge out of Cleveland, I have yet to see him do his um, battle rounds. So I think tonight and maybe next week. So if you you see him and I missed it, which I feel like I'd also find a recap of it somewhere online after the day after, you make sure you let us know. And a good place to do that is over on the Good Things Facebook group where you can sort of shout out, send shout outs to anything good you see across the state. And I almost wish I turned this one into a poll because I feel like our house is divided with the question that I asked. And I think I started it early. It should have probably been posed for tonight. But I will, I'd love to know your opinion. With the weather turning so quickly like it did here in Mississippi in terms of going from literally you could have gotten sunburnt one day and then it's freezing the next and it's even going to get worse over tonight. Did you switch your heat on? I yes. did not. 
I did not. Will you tonight when it actually gets like to freezing temperatures? Possibly. I will break out that old heating blanket though. That's my favorite. That's your favorite. We See, have a we have the deluxe Cadillac Lex whatever you want to call it edition of the heating blanket. It has two zones, so that you, you can. You do have a deluxe Cadillac. It has two zones, so she can turn it up as high as she wants. I can turn it up as high as I want. You can put it on a timer, so that it'll heat up right before you jump in bed, or it'll stay on for a little bit and then turn off. That's our favorite. Will you use that prior to? switching over to actual heat in your house yes so there there are strong opinions around this time of year some of you haven't even had your AC on for the last mm, little while even though it goes up during the day you're probably not there but it settles back down at night you either raise your windows or you use ceiling fans or whatever it may be some of you will hold off as long as possible because you know as soon as you like flip it over you're in that mindset that like once it flips, <laughs> like you don't want to do the whole yeah. backy forcey thing because by the end of the week we're in you know here in Mississippi we're going to be back to think highs in the eighty two like eighty mm-hmm. it has, um, the low eighties which is obviously not heater type weather or there's some of you just like oh, it's just a switch mm-hmm. that smell the first time you kick it on mm-hmm. the that's problem, when you know it's real. This problem is you don't remember which way you you necessarily go. And so if you don't switch it over tonight, some of you may crank it down, crank down the AC to, what, 65, 60, wherever, wherever you like life. 65? 67. <laughs> <laughs> Research shows that you sleep your best. Rockefeller over here with the, the AC. <laughs> Research shows you sleep your best at 65 degrees. The colder, the better. Maybe not freezing. That's what I'll say. So if you set it to, and so that's, we got in a household argument. I was pro turning on the heat to at least he's, and he wasn't. And I said, well, if we'll just turn on the heat and then we will knock it down below where it normally would stay. So then the heat would at least come on then. But it's strange how temperatures in the summer don't feel the same in the winter and like vice versa. Like when it's super duper cold outside, your air being on, we would never turn your heat, I guess, down to 60. Maybe you would. I don't know. 65 feels colder than it does in the, like when you wake up in the summer. And then, too, like with air, air feels warmer at 72, 73 in the winter than it does in the summer. I, don't, I may not be explaining it rightly, but it's like it's backwards in the way that it would feel in the opposite uh weather or the opposite se- weather seasons or whatever but I know it's a big deal like right now is a big deal for people to sort of figure out Darren and Jackson my AC and heat comes on automatically heat at 65 AC at 70 so you give yourself a five extra do you so are you pulling out like the sweatpants and the fluffy socks for those extra five degrees because you can dress better for the colder weather than you can for the hot weather are you one that like cranks it down to save and go to bed in your robe and your toboggan. <laughs> Play a prank and switch dual zone controller on electric blanket. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. So, but who's the who would be more upset? Oh, she would. Is she Definitely. colder or hotter than She's you? She's hotter. Always. So if you did your, your yours, she'd be she would not she'd be mad. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't work. Yeah. And if you went to hers, she turns hers up to like surface of the sun 
level heat initially and then lets it cool down from there. I'm more like the tortoise, even Steven across the board. I like mine kind of consistent. Well, don't we do that with our cars too? You heat it up till it's hot as it can go? Or, I mean, you typically this time of year, or as we shift to actual colder temperatures, you will crank up your car, you'll go get your coffee, you'll do something, you'll give it a few minutes to warm up. And then it's like it gets so hot, you have to like back it all back down. You're like, oh my God, I can't breathe in here. Let me turn let me turn it off, like, you know, get it, you know, unsuffocate myself in my own car. Scott and Soso says, screen doors open, light blanket. Does anybody have screen doors anymore? I mean, Scott obviously does. You know, that's something that you don't see as often anymore. I get my... Every house I knew growing up had a screen door. First house did. We moved when I was five. The house I spent the majority of my life in did not, but my grandparents did. And you, I can hear it. Like, it's one of those sounds of your childhood, or if you still have one, that right now, if I was like, you know, screen door, you hear the sound, it ha pops back because it's a light sort of door. Mm -hmm. It does you absolutely zero good if there's a crack or a tear or anything in it. And you must feel pretty safe where you live just to open the door and leave a little latch on screen door to be to be um, the way it goes. But, you know, people don't have the screen on their windows anymore like they used to. I mean, our first... One or two homes, I was trying to think, we had screens so you could actually open up your windows and then enjoy, you know, sort of the fresh flow. But then, you know, as we moved, those just either weren't on there or they just didn't come with it. And now that we're in the process of building, they just don't come. You, I think you can add it, but it's not standard anymore to have yeah. have the screen on the, on the windows. That but, was definitely a country thing because... Like in the suburbs and stuff, you couldn't do it because of the noise a lot of times if you live near the street. Uh, but I remember we would open up windows, and that's that was the, you know, it was window, then fan. If those two aren't working, you know, try ice. And then, after all that fails, then maybe we would turn on the air conditioner. Moe says 365 days a year, our AC comes on at 75, and the heat comes on at... 70. We all have, I guess, our staple degrees. I don't know. As long as you're saying comfortable, that's all that matters. And I hope you're comfortable with us. we got more for you coming up next here on Good Things. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch good things on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com and you will meet our guest today, Dr. Tamara Hurst. She's a co-director of the Center for Human Trafficking Research at the University of Southern Miss. To the top, Dr. Hurst. That is my alma mater. And I'm so excited to see you guys be the first to create a center such as this. So welcome, Dr. Hurst. 
Thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can hear you wonderfully. And so let's kick it off with what inspired USM to be the first to create such a center like the Center for Human Trafficking Research and Training. Well, we had been involved with the anti-human trafficking efforts for about eight or nine years now. Uh, in the last year, we added Dr. Kimberly Hogan to our ranks as one of our faculty members, and she comes with a wealth of anti-human trafficking training and experience. So we thought it was a good time for uh, moving forward and opening a center to corral all the research opportunities and funding opportunities that are out there and give back to the state. So what's the main mission? Because I think some of us listening would think, what are you researching when it comes to human trafficking? Why aren't you just stopping it? Uh, but sometimes it takes evidence-based research to help stop unfortunate things. So what is the main mission of the center? Well, and I don't want to talk too much research because I don't want the listeners to turn off that channel right now. Uh, what we're really trying to do is find out what the incidence rates are, what kind of trafficking is out there. Is it sex trafficking of youth? Is it sex trafficking of adults? Is it labor trafficking? And what we're also trying to do is find the best way to train. We know that simply attending a two-hour training may not change those behaviors in the workplace we need to dig in more and find out what works best for people what works best for different agencies and how do they respond so there might be some people out there that say oh great i i see something i'm not sure what it is but now i don't know what to do those are the gaps we're looking for we want to we want to be able to tell people this is what you do next and this is how you can respond Dr. Hurst, how do you guys define human trafficking? Because I think several of us, we just have like a one-track mind of what that means. For me, my mind goes straight to kids and unfortunate acts, you know, of, of sexual kind of content. But there's actually a bigger umbrella term in terms of uh, human trafficking, correct? Absolutely. So uh, one of my pet peeves lately uh, is the word actual word trafficking because it's in the movies and it's in the social media in a way that people misunderstand what's actually happening in our state and throughout the nation. So trafficking sounds like you have to move from one place to another, or maybe it's a foreign national coming into uh, the United States or into Mississippi. Uh, trafficking doesn't involve any movement at all. You don't have to cross a straight state line or a county line. You could be in the same place the entire time and still be exploited. So a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Michelle Brazil, came up with this name of transactional exploitation, which I think is vastly better. It's basically uh, exploiting people for sex or labor. So you're taking advantage of marginalized populations, people in need, people who may not know what's happening to them, and you're trading sex or labor uh, for, for maybe money or shelter or food. You're exploiting people because they're vulnerable. And that's much harder to stop, I would assume, than if they were just all corralling them from, you know, into a big bus and shipping them across, you know, state lines or from city to city. It would be a little bit more of a, you know, red flag. But this is this is more subtle. This is a little harder to sort of, you know, hit with. It's probably like playing the whack-a-mole game. 
Exactly. When I talk to university students, I talk to them about things like sextortion, which means maybe you posted something online because you thought it was a good idea at the time, and maybe it's a photo that you wouldn't want seen out there. And then all of a sudden, somebody's saying, well, if you don't send me more, you're going to have to uh, pay me. Um, you're going to have to do more for me. So they're extorting the opportunity. And and this happens in our high schools and universities. Um, I also talk to adults um, who maybe are out there thinking, yeah, I need rent. I need food. I need clothing for my children. And they end up doing something they thought they would never do and then get caught up in a lifestyle that they can't get out of. Some of our research, um, there was some research by Bellhaven University that showed that this uh, exploitation in our state is mostly within families. So it's family members exploiting other family members. So it's not the strangers snatching you on the street. It's not the white van driving down the road. It's not Liam Neeson in Taken. None of that. It's all the, it's how people are being exploited and manipulated by others. I'm still waiting for Liam Neeson to come save me. I'm hiding under my bed, just waiting. <laughs> it's not, it's what you're telling me, Dr. Hurst, it's not, it's not going to happen. But what I am hearing, though, is this is where, I guess, family and friends or outside family and friends members, co-workers, church, uh, you know, goers, you have to be a little more willing to not excuse, you know, uh, I guess, creepy behavior just because it is, oh, that's their dad or oh, that's their uncle or their aunt or whatever it may be. You may have to be... I guess willing to raise a few more eyebrows or say a few more things if you start to see something that's where the say something comes in right yes I, I would encourage everybody to find out more about it from a reputable source so we have the Mississippi Human Trafficking Council in this state that provides a lot of training for law enforcement uh, the Attorney General's office provides training uh, we have we have entities and we provide training uh, from through the center but learn what it is you won't see the creepy behavior which is what makes it so dangerous a lot of our youth or adults are lured into it by people that seem like they're nice and they're friendly and and then they all of a sudden manipulated and groomed somebody into doing something that they didn't mean to do so there's some victim blaming out there that we need to be careful of some judgments that we need to watch for and think about what what is really happening in these relationships for youth if they're under the age of 18 and that exploitation is happening it's trafficking according to our law it's against the law whether you think somebody chose to do it or not for adults we have to prove force fraud or coercion that maybe they were somehow threatened or or physically forced into some of those acts or at least uh, empower those that may feel like they're being wrapped up in it with more awareness that hey this isn't right this isn't you know you have a way out of that i know part of the centers um I guess way of getting research is also working with survivors and I'm sure they're giving you a lot of insight is it survivors from all types of trafficking that's sort of helping fuel the research there at the center well there are two ways to look at it we try to work with survivor leaders um, these are people that who have who have been exploited uh, that are now in a more stable situation that can educate us on what that was like for that experience. So because we haven't been trafficked in that way, we haven't been exploited in that way, they let us know about our language, about how to be more accepting, 
about what helps survivors and victims of this. We also uh, like to talk to people who have been through these experiences to find out what we can do better. What aftercare is needed? What can our healthcare professionals do? We know a lot of survivors go to our emergency departments or our OBGYN wards. And how can they recognize these uh, risk factors? What can they do next to help with this? I mean, I think that's a good place to say, what can we do next? Like, how can we help, Dr. Hurst? Because I feel like there's a lot of Mississippians who want to know what to see. They want to be part of the solution. It creeps me out to even imagine that this is going on right under all of our noses. And with two young girls, I mean, it definitely raises my awareness to it. So how can we get involved without overstepping boundaries or just getting, you know, wrapped up in being too suspicious? And I, I understand that completely. If you look back in history, we felt the same way as a society about child abuse. And we felt the same way about domestic violence, like it wasn't really happening out there. Uh, and then when we realized that it was, we were able to develop those systems. So Mississippians be, can become educated on, on what this is. Contact uh, the council, contact us at the center. We're happy to direct you in the right way. Uh, if you see something for a, a youth that's under the age of 18, we are mandated to report to our Child Protection Services. We call that 800 number. It's actually 888-222-8000. Uh, for adults and youth, you can call the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation at 601-987-1671. Such good information. Again, Dr. Hurst, I'm so excited to see that this center is there at the University of Southern Miss. I know you guys will take the research seriously, and then lots of good things will just come from it. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All righty. We all have a part to play in stopping human trafficking. I hope you learned something new today. I know I did, but stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Don't forget, Good Things is streaming live over at supertalk.fm. It's also streaming from your Supertalk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. You can find the Gallo Show. He's going to be broadcasting live at the Com University at East Mississippi Community College in Columbus coming up on Thursday. They're going to be talking about the upcoming Career Expo and the opportunities that our great community colleges offer all of Mississippi. Such good things. Over on the ceasefire text line, you guys are, are still talking about the way you like your, I guess, um, temperature during this weird time of year. Matthew the Bagpiper says, attic fan and screened windows. I like that. 
the attic fan would put you to sleep in and of mm. itself. And then again, that goes to show the architectural of your home. If it's an older home, you probably do still have the screen windows or that way. You mentioned ice, Will, um, earlier on Good Things. And you know, back in the day, even back before my day, there's some of you that remember very you know, um, specifically, you had the screen windows. Well, I know, like, even further back, you would put ice with the fan, and it would make it cool. But you probably spent a many a summer next to a screen window with an isolating fan so that the, the cooler air would sort of come in, and that was, like, the main form of, of AC, and that's why you spent majority of the time outside anyway, because there wasn't the cool inside, and so it was cooler outside, which Jeff in Oxford brings up a good point. You have these different stages and phases of your life as well, and although our grandparents, you feel like, were better suited for saving money when it came to the reliance on your central heat and air, if you do find yourself on the other back half of life, on now like a fixed income, it's a completely different scenario. You you do figure out how to turn off every light, to save every dime or dollar when it comes to the heating bills and things going up and down and sort of um, all around. My dad was just cheap, and so he would, this time of year, he looked at it as the opportunity to see how long he could go before yeah. he switched over to the, like, it It did his soul well to know that we went days with with it on off, like, either <laughs> wherever you were on the calendar. But this is that particular time where you can kind of negotiate with what you're wearing, the layers yeah. on your bed, you know, if you're in or outside or, or raising or closing a window. And it's almost like the poor man felt defeated when you finally got to turn the heat on. Because we had a we had an insert, and so that's a little bit different than just a fireplace. You can get that thing ripping and roaring, and pretty much you could heat. You know, it felt like you could, you know, if, um, I don't know, uh, like on a big boat or something that you were doing. It's how it was roaring and sort of going. Well, the thing was, though, again, him being, I guess, economically, whatever, I'm trying to, but he's cheap. He'll even tell you, he turned 79 next week, he was cheap. He would close all the doors to all the adjacent hallways so the central of the house would, the heat would, you know, stay in there, which is where he was watching his TV, doing everything, whatever. Well, when you got ready to go to bed, if you've ever had somewhere that's like, you know, blazing at 75, 80 degrees because of your insert, and then you're going to go open that hallway door to go to bed at night. The the difference between the temperature is just what you know. And so and then that too messes with the sensors that come on with the central heat and air. And so it was always like a fight of like, can I at least just leave the doors open so I can get some heat back there and you know whatever it may be. And I mean all lovingly, right? Like it's not I'm not I'm not traumatized at all by it. <laughs> We don't have an insert in our house, though. But uh, but no, it probably did save a, a ton of um, ton of money in terms of the electric bill. But there is something that feels like when you shift it over, you're sort of succumbing to the next phase, the next yeah. round of you know that weather is is coming, and it is easier. My daddy would have never thought you know um, of not having like a fireplace of some kind to sort of help with that. Although you could argue if you don't have a way to chop your own wood and don't have that's what we grew up with we grew up that, with a yeah. wood with a wood it was but it an wasn't ashley an wood heater it was not an insert it was one that you had to go you know keep fed and so we would have to cut wood you know, during the warmer months mm -hmm. to prepare for the colder months and that smell was so fantastic but it was so much work you had to dump the ashes and you know keep 
keep a fire going in there. But it would come in handy. I remember the ice storm of 94 when no one had electricity where we lived for about a week, maybe a week and a half. And that's literally what we cooked on. Uh-huh. Baked potatoes. Baked potatoes, and, soups. Yep, everything. Uh, everything. Made coffee on that thing. Uh, we loved it. Uh, and now I have a super smart <laughs> thermostat, which, by the way, I do recommend. Those can save you a lot of money. Uh, my energy bill was like 60 bucks last month. So do you set it where it... You set it, but it also knows it can tell when you're coming home or when you're about to come home, or you can tell it, you know what, today, just stay off the whole day, but tomorrow we're going to be home, so I need you to... You just uh, made someone really mad with a $60 electric bill, just so you know. I, I know. I mean, it's, it's normally like $200. Mm-hmm. We'll have to learn your secrets next time. All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. You've got Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Mississippi Media Production.